God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain set. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord so much. In the word of God coming to you in the course of the week, you've been receiving impartations. Hallelujah. Yes, maybe you don't know because maybe you've not fallen down yet. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, but what is happening is that through the administration of the word of God, God has been making deposits into you already. So there's been a build-up coming. There's been deposits coming. Hallelujah. And I believe that this morning, the Lord wants to continue with that and even in a greater way. Hallelujah. Especially for us to realize, because at times I tell the Lord, this thing that I feel, what does it mean? Do you see? Because when I woke up this morning, I felt like the Lord was with me in a special way. You see how yesterday night we were all tired. You understand that? So you go thinking that Charlie, you have to prepare. But Charlie, you are tired. So you sleep. So you wake up with the feeling that Charlie, hey, we have to commit some hours before the service, right? Then you wake up feeling like, oh no, the Lord is with you already. You get it. So now I want to know what that means. Because if I have that feeling and I don't know what it means, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, so when you pick up something in the spirit, maybe something is already burning on your heart now, right? Some things are crystallizing in you, some things are pressing on you as a result of being around these few days. Whatever it is that is pressing on you, you should be asking God what it means. What does it mean? I like to know that because if I get to know that, then I can give myself to it. But if there's a feeling, there's an impression, but I don't know what it is, then from here going, well, life will happen. Life will happen. And when life happens, I will forget that, oh, this thing was there. Oh, I, even if I don't forget, what do I do with it? So anytime something like that is building up, one of the things that you should give yourself to is the prayer of inquiry. And that prayer too, you see, so maybe say, oh God, what does it mean? God says, oh, it means this. You understand? <laughs> no. At times you may ask for days. Do you get it? At times weeks. At times you may even give up asking. Then it will come up again. Then you keep asking. Then you get to know. Do you get it? Yeah. Or at times when you ask, you get to know. Depending on how ready you are yourself to actually hear from God. You know, God is not the one that withholds speaking from us. He does not keep himself from speaking. Do you see? No. God doesn't do that. It is we who cannot hear. 
So when you give yourself to the prayer of consecration, what is happening is that even though you are saying, God, what does it mean? What is actually happening is that you are trying to hear. Do you get it? It's not that you are telling God to speak. It is you that is trying to hear. And when you can hear, you hear God. Hallelujah. So it's almost like what God is saying is already there. In packaged waiting for you. You have to make the discovery. And at times, consecrating yourself to the prayer of inquiry helps you. At times, it's not that it will come in the form of a statement. Even though some of us, normally that's what we think it must always be. But at times, it's not like that. Actually, on few occasions, we hear God in a statement. But normally, maybe a more understandable feeling will take the place of the previous feeling. You get it? So, yeah, you now maybe have another feeling that is clearer to you. You get it. And the more you press, the more things become clearer. So, normally, when we say God says something to us, what is happening is that we have put words to a feeling that we are having within. Do you get it? Yeah, it's most of the time a feeling. So, it's we trying to describe the feeling that we say, oh, God said, a, B, C. You get it. But it's the feeling. And the feeling comes with a knowing. There is a knowing that is beyond words, right? Yeah, words are just our attempts to describe what we know. So before you speak the words, you already know the thing. You get it. So like the young man that has fallen in love with a lady, you get it? A damsel. Like, okay, so you are in SHS. It's not university where you can just walk to her hostel or something. Or maybe you can visit her in her home. You are in SHS, so you have to write a letter. You understand? So you sit down, and then what you are doing is that the letter that you are coming to write is an attempt to articulate a feeling that you are feeling, right? Yeah, so you write, I am very happy to write you this letter. <laughs> You see, I am very happy to write you this letter. No, you cancel it, right? So that letter, you don't write it on the writing pad first. You have to write it on various sheets of papers. So you write, hey, I'm very happy to write. No, 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 that's not. I'm elated and, aha, you get it? Or you write, dear, so, so, and so. Say, no, dear. Yeah, that's a, yeah. So the words are just an attempt to describe the feeling. So in many cases, the feeling that we are having from the Lord, we should be able to know what it is. And even when we know what it is, then we need to be able to put words to it. We get it. Now, it is so that our external self will be able to appreciate it. You get it? Because you are not just an internal man. You are also an external man. And your life in this earth, you live it with your external man. When I say your external man, I mean your external mind. Your mind has an internal part that connects to the spiritual realm. And your mind also has an external part that connects to this world. Now, if your internal mind picks a signal, it should be said that that signal will be translated into your external mind. You get the idea? Now, if it does not translate, then... You may know something, but it will not become relevant to you in the life that you are living. You get it? Now, already, because we are in this world, there are many things that our spirit 
are able to pick. That's because of how mundane this world is and how crude this world is. It is not possible to express those things in this world. You get it? So actually when we die and we are judged, we will be shocked what we are. That's if we are good. We'll be shocked how good really we are because there's a certain level of spirituality that cannot penetrate into the material or into the external in this world. You get it? In the same way, if you are bad, you may be shocked how bad you really are. You get it? But maybe you think, that, oh, is there some small badness with which you are getting by? But then when you are fully unleashed, then you say, hey, then there are levels of badness too that cannot be expressed in this material or external body. You get it? Uh -huh. So what is internal must always be expressed in what is external. And in this world, we do it a bit. In the world to come, We'll do it fully. That's in the spiritual world. We'll do it fully. So now, if what is inside is unable to express itself on the outside, then so far as your life in this world is concerned, what is inside is not useful. Do you get it? So the things that are happening to us on the inside, we need to be able to interpret them on the outside. We need to be able to appreciate the meaning of such happenings, the meaning of the signals we are picking on the outside, so that then, becoming aware, we can live our lives in a certain way. Yeah, so it's like you can feel a strong feeling of the hand of God. You don't know what is happening to you, right? You should be asking what is happening. You should quickly switch to what is happening. You understand? And it is the same God that is pressing you like that who will help you come to the understanding. At times, the moment you switch, to asking the Lord what is happening. Prophetically, maybe if someone is leading you in a meeting, the person may say it. Has it happened to some of you before? Yeah. But you know the interesting thing? If you were not inquiring of the Lord what is happening to you, and the person said it, you will still not be able to pick it. Because again, there is the one that is speaking, and there is the one that is trying to hear. If you are not trying to hear, when we speak, you will not hear. Do you get it? It's like being among the people who are having conversation, but you are not tuned into the conversation. <laughs> so because of that, many things will be said. But even though you are there, you are in church, maybe some of you have tuned out several times. Do you get it? So as I'm speaking, if you are not trying to hear me, you may have missed some of the things because your mind wandered to um, whether the deal said you come on Sunday or not. You understand? <laughs> so... That's what you've been contemplating on for like 30 seconds. And because of that, within that period, what I've said, you didn't hear. You get it. So if you are not trying to hear what is spoken, even though it will help you, you will not be able to pick it up. Do you get it? So that's why to inquire of the Lord is necessary. And the best way to inquire of the Lord is to pray. Because prayer tunes you out of the natural and then focuses you on the spiritual. Why? Because we want to apply ourselves to those things. We want to give ourselves fully to those things. And if that will be the case, then we need to know. We need to know what is really going on. So if you maybe something flashed before your eyes, you should hold it. You get what does this thing mean? You see, this thing that has just flashed before my eyes. Some of you, an anxiety will grip you. Do you see? Within a, a short period, you should hold that and wonder how is it that an anxiety 
is, for instance, some of you, when you, when you are trying to pray, when you are trying to reach out, God say, oh, let's pray. When you are about to do, and anxiety grips you in your heart. So it becomes something that blocks you. This is something that you should inquire about. Because then there is a reason why this anxiety is present. That anxiety then will be connected to your lack of faith. You get it. Why you cannot believe that you should freely reach out to God. So you should inquire of the Lord the source of that anxiety. Maybe it will then lead you to change something that you've been up to. It will lead you to take a step that you've not been taking. Then with that, the anxiety will clear up. But if you don't inquire, if you don't hold it there and try to know what is going on, it will always be that thing that happens to you, but you don't know why. Hallelujah. And you will think that the Lord will appear and say, enough is enough. Let me show you why. No, you may take this thing to your grave. That is how spiritual things are. Because anytime the Lord forces to tell us something, we will not hear. Not because the Lord doesn't want to speak. It's because when we are not ready to hear, no matter what the Lord tries to do, we will not hear him. No matter how he signals us, we will not hear. When we are not ready to do something, no matter how the Lord pushes we will not do that thing. So the concern is never how the Lord should push. The concern is how we prepare ourselves to meet the Lord. That is always the concern. Hallelujah. That is always the concern. And asking what things mean normally help us to come to a certain understanding as to what really is going on. At times, you may even have to inquire about what to do with this thing. This thing that is blocking you. At times, the Lord will just say, just close your eyes and push anyway. You see? So at times, you don't need to go and take any step. It's just an unfamiliar territory. And human beings, we are like that. For instance, there are certain spiritual experiences that you don't know about. You get it. And because of that, you are apprehensive about those experiences. You are not so trusting. And when you say, cast yourself onto God, you see, what will happen? Will I be caught by God? Yeah, it's like, hey. So the lack of trust, the lack of confidence that you will really attain onto what it is that you are supposed to push for can stop you from pushing. It's almost that like you want to be told that no matter what, you will get a certain result when you push. You get it. Or maybe you tried once and there was nothing. So it has disappointed you to the point where you don't want to try again. You get it. So maybe the Lord will tell you, look, Madame, close your eyes and push. So, but the Lord, how sure are you that something will happen? You don't need to be sure. It's called exploration. Explorers, they just search by adventure. And anybody that is not willing, listen, in spiritual things, it's like a boy who is going to chase a girl. You see, if you are a girl and a boy is coming to chase you and the boy is not ready to face the possibility that he may not get you, you get it. So more like he wants to attempt to chase you, but the possibility that it's not 100% that he'll get you is making him unwilling to chase you. You understand that? There's a problem. It means that there's something wrong. You see, but when the boy decides that oh, even if I will not get you, it's still worth the try. You understand that? These days, I think the boys are lazy. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
The boys are lazy. They want to be told that, oh, you shall prosper in your journey. <laughs> you want to be told that of your assured prosperity in the endeavor before you attempt, right? No. Anybody that changed somebody, right? You didn't know whether it will, but you were willing to push to the end, right? But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But to push, and that's how chasing after God is. And those that are exploring the depth of God must be open to the idea that all oh, this energy I'm channeling today. Like, for example, maybe if you are going to pray today, you should be open to the idea that all oh, this energy I'm going to channel because prayer requires energy. The energy to focus. All this energy to focus and to search my heart and to make sure my heart is in the right place. We will finish and like the letter that you are writing to the girl in the SHS, you cancel it and say no. You have to write a new one. So you should be open to the idea that you may not leave here with anything. What do you think? Some of you, that's what you don't understand about searching for God. You think that you, you just are so deserving that if you make an attempt, it must yield something. Do you know the attempt we have made? Satan so come and tell me, oh, we picked this, God showed us this. And you say, oh, they mean that when we just say God show us, and God shows us, right? Do you know something? As I'm talking to you now, I am now understanding the feeling I got when I woke up. Do you understand that? Do you know how long I spent when I woke up to try and understand it? Like close to two hours. Still. And it's here that I'm getting the chance, and I'm hoping that by the time I finish talking, I get it. Yeah. Can you imagine? Or I may not even finish getting it. And I'll discover that then it was not probably as relevant as I thought for this meeting. Yeah. Then we'll get it next week. We'll get it next month. But it's worth the push. So we we'll push, we we'll push, we we'll push, we we'll push, we'll push. Then you even discover in next week's message that, ah, sad the way you push today, no? Even though you push with all your might, it was an uneducated push. So you learn something that helps you change your approach a bit. Ah, then why did I waste my energy? That energy was not wasted. It was spent improving your love. Your love. That is the key to finding anything in the spirit. It's the compass. In the spiritual, when your heart is not in something, you cannot confront that thing. You see, you cannot have access to it. So your desire to explore, even with the possibility of not finding what you are looking for, and to give all your energy and your focus to that exploration is proof of your love. And when you are doing it, to not give in to the thing that will come into your mind. And what if uh, this guy might be futile? To not give in to it is the purging of your love. You see, your love is being purged. 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 Let me tell you something. In every meeting, even though I live with something, I also live disappointed. Hallelujah. Yeah. I live disappointed. Even though I live with something, I live disappointed. And to me, that is a normal life. What do you think? Yeah. Because, you see, I'm always thinking that today, not today. You understand? So all energies are focused 
to get something today. Then we get something. But we still finish it. Hey, so what we thought we would get today, no. It's not today we'll get it. So we must keep searching. But some of you, you say, oh, I'm not even sure if these things are real. I'm not even sure if God likes me like that. I've been trying to reach out to God and up to now, I don't know if God even hears me. You see, you are God heard you some time ago and you were so excited about it. You forgot it now, right? It's not testament to the thought that God doesn't mind you, no. It's rather testament to your own heart not being willing to go through the process that it means to contact God. If indeed what you are looking for in God, uh, it is worth that much to you, then you should be ready to open all the doors. Right? You should be ready to open all the doors. So you open it, it's not here. You open it, it's not here. You open it, 500 doors. You open 467. 500. They say, ah, you see a tongue God. Then when you find it, God says, now another search. So, as I found it, then the next door there, what I'm looking for, they say, open, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there. It's ah, a waste of time. No, something is happening to you. Something is happening to you. Now, if you say we should pray for hours, we have prayed for hours, and I don't even know what I did. Because you think that something must happen, right? Nothing happens. So you are not even sure if it was a waste of time. Hey! But no, it is also what is proving your love. Because if you are willing to commit such focus to search out God in this manner, then God can trust you. So one of these days, you will find that you are well placed to access certain things in the spirit. You find that. But you have to be relentless in your pursuit. Hallelujah. You have to be energetic. Some people say, what will happen? What will happen? No. Anybody that thought that they didn't find anything. Hallelujah. God loves you so much that God will just come to you. Let me tell you, some of you, I've told you this before, you are even very open to having dreams, right? And in your dreams, certain things happen. And you think that that is God visiting you. No, that's not God visiting you. You also must go through all the things that we, the regular human beings, go through. Even if you have dreams, the dreams cannot be those encounters that you are looking for. You will find that the dreams are kept at a certain place in your mind. They don't run as deep as you think they will run, except the dream is as a result of a spiritual pursuit you've been pushing for. But if it's just the fact that you have that gift of having access into some spiritual activities in your dreams. If that's it, you find that it doesn't replace your habit to search. That's not what I'm talking about, to dreams and dreams. No. I'm talking about painstaking looking for God. Hallelujah. Like what you are talking about, want to be friends of God, right? But it now must turn into we are forcing God and God, we want to be your friends. Right? Meanwhile, it is God that really wants us to be his friend. Hallelujah. You don't forget that. It is God. It's God. It's God that is looking for allies. It's not you. You are not the good person here. Amen. You don't have the moral high ground. 
It is God that is looking for the friends. But in order for us to become friends, we must push and push and push till as if, if God doesn't make us his friends, we die. You understand? That is our way of responding to the fact that God wants us to be his friends. Hallelujah. Like what Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. If you think about it, you say that, oh, if we are calling many, then it is many that must be chosen. Because if you look at it, it means the one that is calling the many is desperate, right? He is desperate that everybody will come. But still few are chosen. It means that even though many are called, in order to be chosen, you must be some way. If you are not that way, then even though still the one that is calling wants everybody to come, you can't come. You see, you still can't come because you are not in the shape, in the right frame of mind, in the right posture of heart. You are not in that state to actually have that encounter. So God will call on us and within these few days, what we'll be sharing is how we have a place with God in this regard. How we can be friends of the bridegroom. Okay? But now, in order to truly be, we must leave everything. That's what Jesus said about the kingdom. As a man that is searching for goodly pearls. And when he finds it, right, he sees that, now, as you have seen, that this goodly pearl is here. What do you do? You go, you sell all you have. Hallelujah. You sell all you have, and then you come and buy it. It's not like, oh, it's here, then let's get it. No. In order to get it, let's say if it's mining, the mining equipment that you need to actually access the computer. You have seen that it is here. Maybe the machines have shown you, right? But in order to dig it out, it will cost you all that you have. You see? So it is the costing part that decides who turns away quietly and walks into the horizon, right? It determines who does that or who comes back and tries to access it. Jesus told the rich young ruler, when he said, oh, do this, I've done it for my child. He said, no, no, you, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven, right? And then you come and follow me. No, no, no. I thought I could get what I'm asking for together with this. But the thing you're asking for, it is not in agreement with this thing that Jesus said, go and sell. It is not in agreement with it. So they cannot coexist. So Jesus is actually trying to help you. That what you need to give up, which will let you have access to what you know is there, the treasure that you sense is there. Right? Like some of us are sensing. I, I know that in the course of the period, you are sensing that hey, you could become something. Hey, yeah, it's like uh, it's at your door, right? And some of you even will be mistaking the feeling that the thing is at your door for the thing being inside you. So you say, okay, okay, but you discover, hey, as you are walking home, it's like it's not at your door. It's not inside you. It's just at your door through the word of God. That's one of the things that the friend of the bridegroom does. He paints the picture of the life that could be with the bridegroom to the bride. And isn't that what a betweener does? If I see again, I like it. I say, hey, go and be my betweener. You go and tell again, look, this guy, if you accept him, 
Do you understand? This is what will happen. This is what will happen. This is what will happen. If you have such people who have the ear of the woman in life, they are gone. Busy. It's like things are speaking on your behalf. Describe it. So that's what the friend of the bridegroom does. And that's what the word of God does. That's what the preaching of the word of God does. It describes to you too. Some of you, you are beginning to sense it. You even see it more. That scene is a temporary vision. You see it. Some of you even touch it. You'll be impacted by it. Do you understand? Like you enter somewhere, but it's temporary. When you have finished, they say, okay, now have you seen? Say, okay, yes. So these are the 376 steps you need to take to actually dwell here permanently. What do you think? Today, some of you will touch some things, right? But when you finish, it's not yours. It's just part of the friend of the bridegroom's work. Do you see? So when you finish, the steps are still there. The things to do are still there. The exploration is still there. But you know that this is the hope that is set before you, right? You know that this is the hope. So when there's something coming to turn you away from your approach towards the hope that is set before you, you push that thing away. You will not let it take hold of you because you have seen something. You see? You have seen the promised land. You have not stepped over. You have stood on the mountain temporarily to spy the promised land. And you see that it's a good land. Hallelujah. To some of you, God may give you impressions as to what you become in service to him. It's just you seeing the promised land. But it doesn't mean you are there and you may never get there till you die. If you don't put in all the required effort. If you don't put in the focus if you don't take your mind away from the things that are taking your focus and bring your total focus on what it is that God is showing you. Now, when you are younger, you saw yourself working for God in powerful ways. It's true. It's not a lie. It's not. You are now growing to say, no, these are childish dreams and wishes. Hallelujah. You know me too, I saw the things, right? And I'm doing them. Some of the times, I can stand somewhere and I know this thing, I wrote it down in my book somewhere that I was doing something like this. Do you see? Yeah. So you could also stand somewhere. There are so much that we've not stepped into. Do you see? Yeah. But you can also push. So your dreams will not become like, hey, or your visions, or your prophetic impressions. I tell you, I read the scripture. You know, this is you, right? Has it happened to you before? You know, this is you. One of the scriptures that release, as I read, I knew that this is you. The Lord God has given to me the tongue of the learned, that I may know how to speak a word in season unto him that is weary. You see, when I saw this, I didn't even know what a word in season was. There's a light. Let alone speak it. Do you see? But some of you, you know that if I tell this was a word I saw by myself. And if I've dealt with you before, you will know. I don't even mind the preaching. I'm talking about to come to talk to me. I will tell you what is in your heart. Do you understand that? Before I didn't know anything. But we are there. Do you understand that? Of course, is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. So we'll be there even more. But this was a scripture that I used to think about. But when I read this, I felt like it's me. 
You see, say, he wakened me morning by morning. He wakened me. Now, when I read, I interpreted the way I the letter to. So, he wakened me morning by morning. It means that, Charlie, when I wake up, I want to study something. I want to learn something. You understand? Because if you are going to have the tongue of the letter, then you need to give yourself to learn, right? Which is true. What have you seen? The reason why it hasn't come to pass is that you have not given yourself to me. That's all. So you catch temporary glimpses. Now, when I thought in my heart that some of you are already catching such glimpses, and some of you, when we give ourselves to Christ, depending on how we invest ourselves in the prayer, everything is depending on. There's nothing that is set in stone. Well, I can tell you what would happen when we pray. But if we all decide not to give ourselves in prayer, do you get it? Like, we just make the prayer like, oh, we will see color. Hey, it was a time. Okay. If you make your prayer like that, it will be like I told you a lie. Do you see? Because it's not set in stone as though it can be accomplished outside your will. Your own will is involved. Your willingness is involved. In God, nothing bypasses your free will. So your own willingness to search is key. Sometimes you find that God wants to do great things, but maybe some three, four people were able to push all the way. So the three people will be saying, hey, what a powerful encounter. And then the rest will be saying, hey, are you sure? That's not the problem. That's why if you are going to really work for God, you must be sure with God what is happening. If your aim is to search from the people what is happening, you are talking to people, some are not spiritual, some don't even understand, some don't even value what you are sharing, and then some value it. Even those who value, there are different levels. So what is being communicated, the power of it is broken down according to the spiritual state of everyone that is hearing it. So if a strong light, let's say if this were a strong light, were to be coming in, and your eye has a problem, said that it is not able to admit all the lights that is coming in. What will happen is that in this light that is here, you see it as a very dim light, right? And it's not because the light from source is dim. It's because of the adjustment from your own eyes. You see? As some of you, when we say pray, right? Give yourself to prayer. When you attempt to do that, okay? You find that in the prayer you are sleeping. Who has slept once they are praying before? Powerful. So you wake up and then you keep at it. Because the fact that you can sleep in prayer is not that you are feeling sleepy. It's a sign that your heart is not as strongly focused on searching after God like you thought. But there's nothing to be ashamed of. You should be ashamed, but there's nothing to be ashamed of. Also because you pick up yourself, right? So you are, I've been out for 20 minutes. First, let me tell you, maybe I was able to pray for long, right? And maybe I can pray for maybe like five hours or something, right? But those five hours, let me tell you, when we calculate the time for prayer, times that we wasted are all parts. You get it? Like, if you calculate all the time that you slept off, maybe it will reach one hour. Do you get it? All part of the five hours, so. But what do you think? It's part of the effort. Yes, if you are derailed, you don't say that. No, it's, not it's part of it. So you wake up and you keep at it. So actually, when you are trying to pray, right? When you are trying to meditate, you have to just accept that you have to pray for long. Because your effective prayer period <laughs> may not be that much. So if your time for praying is really short, two minutes, 
You see that you have slept, you wake up, right? Yeah, then you continue. You continue because then your mind drift off. You say, hey, where how did uh, Majapese uh, uh, enter the prayer? As something that entered your prayer before. Do you see? I thought you are praying that you want to stop and send the text message. You understand? Yeah. Some moves. Hey, it's how the moves can be so strong on your mind. So it's like it wants to. Derail the prey. Do you get it? So you quickly shut it. Like you think that when you shut it, one is shut, right? Then you pray 30 seconds later, it has come back and it comes to still five minutes from you without you. you know. They say, Ah, what are you doing? Yeah, you focus. That's how you do it because you try to focus, even though there's several attempts to derail you, it's a sign that you are ready for your heart to be changed. And then God will work on you. So all this pushing in an imperfect way, right, will now allow God to come in and change your heart, turn your heart, give you a more compelling desire to give yourself to prayer. Do you see? Then now you're praying. When you say you're praying, it's fireworks. But you have to come from somewhere. That's somewhere is where some of us don't want to come from. So we give up easily. I'm telling you that your unwillingness to explore is a sign that your heart is not really after the thing. Now, first of all, we are going to pray. Some of you, as we start praying, oh, you are somewhere. No. It may not be like that. It may be like you have to pull yourself, pull yourself. And you see, I've told you how you do it. As you pull yourself, you say, God save me. The other side, you say, God help me. Because that state that you want to be in, in order to really genuinely pray to God. It is God that will help you and bring you to that state. Do you get it? So, as you are holding yourself together to focus, your mind must be on God. I explained to you how, why you do this. You keep praying. Right? Your mind must be on God and God will help you. And it is God that will bring you into that state. Yeah? So, you keep pushing. But the message is simple. That God wants to use us, right? At times, I think about John the Baptist. It's an interesting situation that he was in. He appeared at a time where religion and church was going on, right? You know, the rabbis, the Pharisees, they were having church. You get it? Then this guy says that, no, repent. The other side, that. repent. So, and he was the only one Do you see? He was the only one. So I'm sure John the Baptist in his mind at times was he showed in some of his conversations. Will this same work? Like we see the doctrine God has given to us, right? We see the word of God and how it has the ability to transform lives. But we also see that what is prevailing amongst those that we came to meet, it is said that it's like, hey, will this thing eventually prevail? Will this word eventually prevail? And John the Baptist was in the same system. Minority, meaning you have brethren, like John the Baptist didn't have a brother. Eventually, he got disciples. Yeah. The axe is laid at the root. Hey, you'll see, and then he will send some to the Pharisees. Do you see? 
you send some to everybody, to the king. What do you think? Wow, vipers, brood of vipers. Wow. But it was just one man. So imagine in the whole of Ghana here, one man rises up and you see that, hey! All of you that breathe, you are lost. Right? I'm going to breathe air. You breathe my air. You are lost. <laughs> and it goes on radio. But you turn on the TV, it's there. UTV, GTV. You are watching Arsenal and my United match. You say, we are sorry, but we need to interrupt this live program for a breaking news. And then he appears there that Charlie, the air you have been breathing. What do you think? Now, their way of life, the Jewish people, huh? it was like that to them. The air that's what we know. So how do you appear and tell us that uh, we should repent and be baptized? Where is your authority? You see, they say John has a devil, right? Oh. So if I'm John, and I'm sure he also doing that thing, you want the whole person, because what is against you? You see, what is against us in the preaching of the word of God is so much that it's like that kind of battle that you just accept that it will always be a battle. There is no way the bride will be joined to the bridegroom in the way that it should happen. But John kept at it. And Jesus came. Hallelujah. Kept at it. And that's also something that I want to bring our attention to. About the work that God has given to us. At times we push. Like people are not accepting the doctrine. But we know that this is it. How can they see that? So, well, let's work. You know, the question is not whether it will work. Because you know what the scripture says? It says, the Lord God only put into reins. That's the state of your Bible. Your preaching is backed by the omnipotent God who reigns. Have you seen that scripture? Revelation chapter 19. Yeah. So that, that's what the scripture is telling you. What will happen? Because of what you are preaching, it has already been prophesied in Revelation chapter 21. You see? It has been prophesied in Revelation chapter 20. The prophecies have gone forth. Hallelujah. And there's been an assurance given to the captain of your salvation. Sit thou at my right hand. Until I make your enemies your footstool. It's been prophesied with Isaiah. But at times you look at the fight. Some of you are fighting with your own people for believing what you believe. Yes. So <laughs> the fight will cry when you have a being now. The taking the fight to the enemy. But you must believe this will win. The word of God will win. Do you know why it has been prophesied? And there is Yankuma, okay, Yankuma, there's something what there's something that has been done there. An altar that has been raised to make sure that this happens. And that altar is the victory that Jesus won over the hells. There's something that has been put there. Hallelujah.
There's something that has been put there. There's something that has been put there. So it will happen. Because at times you say, oh, if it's not pushing like the way it should push, it means that there's just resistance. But no, you should also then look at yourself to see if rather you need to generate more capacity. So for me, that is the case because the rest we cannot control, right? What we can control is our own capacity to represent God in the way that he wants to be represented. So if people are not hearing us, what can we do to build capacity so that they can hear us even the more? If people are not understanding us, what can we do so we can gain more ability as friends of the bridegroom? So when we go communicating with the potential bride, the picture can be well painted. If they are under some kind of bondage, what can we do to develop the capacity to push back against the bondage that they are under? Do you see? Like I know that if I stand before you, I am confronting every bad spirit that is behind the state that you are in that God does not want you to be in. Listen to that. If I stand here before you, every one of us, what is fighting us, what I deliver should be able to confront what is fighting me. So if there are legions that are behind your lack of spirituality and your present spiritual state, what I am doing should be such that it should be enough to confront those legions in such a way that you can bring your head out of the water, right? So that now you can make a decision for God. You can take a step for God. But it is possible that I will start here and the spiritual sphere I am able to cast is not strong enough. Maybe he's able to deal with only 500 of the devils, right? So I may preach to you and I feel like maybe you are not becoming what you need to become. And I will say that it is you that don't want to become. What about maybe it is me that I'm not able to deal with the legions, the, the 6,000 devils that are worrying you. I'm able to deal with half of them. So the remaining half are still there. Do you see? And I can never accept that I have done enough so that now it is not on me anymore. Do you see? I can never think that way. I must always think that I need to do more. I need to become more. I need to overcome more so that I can increase the intensity of the spiritual sphere that is cast when I deliver the word of God. I may go, go, and go, and you may never change. You get it. But it is not on me to decide that now I can rest because you will never change. That is not my work. I must not rest. I must keep hitting higher levels and I must keep coming to you from those higher levels. So if I help you today and you are not helped, I must go and increase in level and come and try and help you again. And that is the attitude that the Lord wants us to have concerning the work that he has given to us. 
It is already prophesied the difficulty with which the man-child will be born and kept. It has already been prophesied the attacks that will come upon those who preach the message of the lost new church. That does not mean that then there is an excuse for the work of God not being done. It has been prophesied and will suffer the attacks, but the same prophecies also say that this stone that will come and hit the statue, it will be there in the place of the statue and it will increase. And its dominion will be from age to age. You see? So it's also prophesied that this word of God will increase. It's prophesied that it will prevail. See how the new creation mentality prevails now. This word will prevail in the future, even beyond this. It's been prophesied. So what we have to do is to keep laboring and to keep consecrating ourselves so that more of God can be domiciled in us for expression, for expression, more of God's power. Because the spirit that works in the children of disobedience, that spirit is strong. That spirit is strong. So when I preach to you the word of God and you stand resistant against the word of God, I look at you and say, the spirit behind you is strong. The spirit that is keeping you from your destiny in God is strong. And how will it work now? I must increase in my capacity to confront the spirit, right? So that now in confronting the spirit, you can be free to now take a step for the Lord. If the word of God seems slow in its being pushed, it is not that that is how it must be. That's not how we should see things. We must look at it that now we must increase in our capacity. We must grow in our consecration. We must reject evil more. This is the time to consecrate yourself. This is the time. This is the time to stand as a soldier. You must understand this. This is the time to stand as a soldier. This is the time to give yourself and to separate yourself from the world and to give yourself for the kingdom. This is the time to do that. The more you do that, the more the spirit that will be channeled in you will increase. Hallelujah. And the more the impact will be, the more the impact will be. So that becomes our responsibility to offer ourselves to be friends with God. And to go through what we need to go through. To become what we need to become. To channel the intensity of the spirit in the way that we need to channel it. This is the time for us to do that. And not to say that oh, people don't like to hear our message. We can also come in a stronger way. Hallelujah. We can come in a stronger way. If people don't like to hear our message and if people don't like to believe it, why are you here? How did you get here? Which power compelled you to be here? Huh? That even when you did not get all of it, you still saw that there is something in this thing that I need to get closer to it. Which power compelled you to be here? That same power can compel another person. You have to channel that power. Maybe a stronger power needs to compel that person. You have to channel that stronger power. You have to do that. That is ministry. That is your ministry. We've already discussed this. That is your ministry. That is your ministry. Hallelujah. That is your ministry. Ah, I know, I know, Pastor, but, but 
That is where you enter into prayer. You see, at times, the bath can be so strong that it is beyond you, right? Not that it is beyond you, but it's so strong. It's, it's like the people that saw the prophet's life. They say, yes, but the sons of Enoch are there. You see, we have seen the Lord. What was said about it? You see that you could stand mightily for God, right? But there are the sons of Enoch, the giants that are also there on the promised land. And what is the message? Those that came with the testimony that they are unable to possess the land. Huh? What will happen? So even if you see the sons of Enoch, these giants, before you said, no, this land, this is my land. But you see in the sons of Enoch, then the word of God teaches us that what we must think is that indeed we are still able to take the land. So all your bats, no matter how strong your bats are, you should think still that indeed we are able to take the land. Let us go in at once. As you are saying it, the giants have not reduced your size. They are still giants. And they are bigger than you. We were like grasshoppers. Right? And it's still the same. But the message God wants you to believe and to think, as you have observed this, is that indeed, let us go in once. Let us go in. Let us go in. We are able to. And this was so important that those that believed but they gave an evil report that you think that, ah, isn't that true? That's the sub of you. You see that this is what I call but, right? It's an evil report you are giving and it's an evil report you are believing. But what is fighting me is too strong for me. That's an evil report. What I love, I love me too much. I can't leave it. It's an evil report. And this was so problematic that God turned them back into the wilderness for 40 years. And all those that came with that report and those that believed them, except those who were 20 and below, all of them, the Bible said that their carcasses fell in the wilderness. They all died. So they circled in the wilderness till they died. Those that think, not those that tried and felt like, hey, we couldn't do. No, those that said we won't even try to confront these people. They are too strong for us. They died. The Akakasis fell in the wilderness. The Bible says that we should not follow the same example of unbelief. So, Joshua and Caleb, who came back with the good report, they survived. Together with those that were 20 and below. The rest contained. Because that is a sure sign that you are not going to succeed if you will not confront the enemy. I see what I can become. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? That you could actually stand for God and you could compel all the devils to shut up. You see how some of the devils that worry you in the face of the word of God that you hear, the devils are shaking and they are in commotion and they want to rise up and they are fighting. You could also stand before somebody and your word will not just be with the excellency of speech, but it will go forth with the power of God, that compelling power to shut down the voices that rise up in the person's mind. Not because you are able to just present a strong argument. Some of you think that the shine of the word of God is, 
in your ability to present a strong argument. You must present an argument for the word of God. But that argument, the reason why it's an argument is not because you have covered everything. It's because that argument pierces through into the divine asunder, right? The soul and the spirit, the bone and the marrow. The word, its power is in its ability to pierce through the bullshit of the one that you are talking to. Its ability to pierce through and to arrive at where the devil is. And the devil, the mother dragon, is hiding behind layers of false impressions. And without power, your word will not confront that devil. Without power, your word will not. So you speak, right? My argument is not that you didn't argue well. It did not touch the devil that is hiding there. Because when you touch that devil, two things. When people are pierced in their heart, when they are cut in their heart, they will repent or they must take up stones to stone you. <laughs> they must push you over a cliff. So what will you do? You run away. I said, will you run away? You see what you can become, but the giant hand there, will you run away? What will you do? Because you have to tell us, like somebody said, are you coming to cry? Are you coming to cry? Cry. Will you run away? Will you run away? Sir, I love this. Let me go and bury my father and come. No. Let the dead bury their dead. Why love this? Why can't I do it gradually? No. Jesus didn't say cut off a portion of your eye. He says, gorge the eye out. He says, don't cut your thumb off. He says, cut the arm off. And let's move on. You see, what you see, don't you like it? Don't you like it? What you could become that you see? Don't you like it? Yeah. So give your all to become it. To become useful. To carry that ability of God. Then being gifted and all this is we've been talking about on Thursday, we come with that. We do everything. We do everything. We do everything. Your star is rising. Don't let the enemy shut that rising down. I said, Your star is rising. Now, let me explain something to you. This is a prophetic word I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Yeah. Maybe you think that is just an encouragement. Something I heard. I just heard it. Your star is rising. Hallelujah. Your star is rising. Your star is rising. Allow your star to rise. Take away anything that will hinder the rising of the star. Because when the star rises, it will mean a lot to God. It will mean, oh, you, how can you mean something to God? The answer to that is that you are here. If God allowed you to become a human being, <laughs> then there is something that you need to become for him. That's the answer to such foolish statements. I'm here now. But if God was not counting on you, you shouldn't be born. You should not be here. 
That one you can't prove the child. Are you a human being? Check to see if you're a human being and you are around in this world now. Check it. Can you check it? Are you here? Check for your friend if your friend is here. So you see that voice, right? That voice that is telling you that no, 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 you these people may be big, right? But you, dear God, no, you are not anything. That voice is a false voice. But you see, at times with such voices, in order to truly shut them down, you must give yourself to consecration. That thing that that voice says you cannot become. You must give your everything to become that thing. That voice will die. You cannot become a mighty woman for God. Why? Because this is what you are in now. No, that's not what determines it. What determines it is that you are born now. What you are in now, you can rise up from it. You can rise up, take up your mat, and begin to walk. You can. You can. So you can become a mighty woman for God. We can have the tongue of the many. That you may know how to speak a word in season unto him that is. Hey, you said you can't be. It's the voice of the enemy. It's the voice of the enemy. Lift up your head. Look at me. I'm talking to some people here. Look at me. You are bowing your head because you are not admitting the full light. Look at me. I'm saying that you can become. You can. You can. You can. And this is the time to begin the journey. The journey may not be a straight shoot. We may find, oh, we've gone off. Let's come back because we are going somewhere. And that thing, that's our birthright. That's our calling. We are going there. But when we draw the graph, it must be a straight line going for you. See how the graph, I think the way you plot is like this, right? But the general part is that we are going forward. You don't give up on what you can become in God. Because you have not become perfect yet. You may be slain tomorrow. But this belief must not leave you. That you are on your way to becoming friend of the bridegroom. So you get up. You, you reroute yourself, right? Like you are doing the Google map and you get lost. And then he says he's doing the rerouting for you, right? Then you set yourself back. And then you are going. You are born, right? This is the reason why you are born. You can't give up on it. Because if you think what's sitting on you is strong, it's not strong. It only appears to be strong. It only appears to be strong. You can become that battle axe. Thou art my battle axe. My weapons of war. You can become that. See how your voice is small. Your voice can become big. See how you can easily be put to flight. You rather will put the enemy to flight. God will train you to become that. You have to walk with him on that path. Don't abandon your training. But you see, every training also must also begin with a resolve. And some of you, you must resolve now. I, I love the world too much. If I give up the world in the way that this message seems to be, I will die. We all felt we would die. And even when it comes to giving anything up, anything in the world that God requires of us, we feel we will die. You see, the thing is to close your 
I say, go for it. Do you understand? Close your eyes and go for it. Close your eyes and go for it. Don't listen to anything. Don't listen to anything. Keep walking forward. The enemy will bring something to show you. This forward that you are going, will you be able to get to the end? You know you won't get to the end, right? So just stop here. Stop now, right? Proofs as to why you should not waste your time. But remember the explorer. No, we search. We keep pressing on. We keep taking steps. We keep taking steps. There's no guarantee, right? No problem. But we have seen that this is the path. Something must come out of us. To just be a natural man and to complete your days on this earth as a mere natural man is a waste of time. It means that you have not paid service to the reason why you were allowed to be a man. You have not paid service to that. It must begin with a resolve. It must begin with a vow that this is the path. This is the path. This is the path. We know that along the way, God will require something of us that is so difficult to do. And we may even fear the day that that will come. Like literally dealing with Abraham and Isaac. That feeling that one day God will ask for you to give this, it may be there. It's something that may be your fear. And that thing may not even be that bad. It may just be something you are comfortable with. And all of us have that experience. That day will come. That day we will cry. Right? Maybe that day your own is now. Right? But it comes for all of us. We cry. We weep. But we still wake up in the morning. Right? In the night, we may try to see if there's another way. Negotiate. Instead of Isaac, let me give you five strong servants. Isn't it blood you want? Right? They said, no, Isaac. Right? Instead of Isaac, let me, okay, let me myself. Right? They said, no. So by daybreak, the statement has not changed that it is Isaac I want, right? So you get up, you call Isaac. There's no strength in your voice, right? But you still call Isaac. You are picking up what to be necessary for the sacrifice. There is no enthusiasm, but you know that this is what comforts you. This is the ritual for your next level. And that next level is so important. So, so important to God. So important to the human race. That next level. Hey! Every spiritual level that a person enters into, they killed something. They killed something. They killed something. These days, we don't kill animals, but we kill what is inside us. Something must die. 
In order to stay the course, something must die. So he put Isaac on the altar. And this Isaac is brought from the dead. Right? When you're going, you thought that this is the end of your life. But on the altar, this Isaac is raised from the dead again. Different from the Isaac that climbed the altar. There's a difference. The Isaac that climbed the altar was not giving to God. The Isaac that is coming from the altar now is giving to God. So many of the things that you say, oh, this thing must die. It must only resurrect. Just that before the resurrection, death must happen. Some of us, where we are stuck, is so complex. It's like a miry clay, a quicksand, right? Do everything to come out. Say, how do I come out? Do the first thing that you know to do. That may be to just pray. To just pray. Always, we can start from there, right? We can start from there to look for God. Something will come out of there and understand it. A clarification. Wisdom. Push. Crawl yourself out. There's a more dignified life waiting for you. I will lose some friends, right? But it is worth it. It may not be worth it the time that you see that you must give up these friends. You may not feel that way. See. I was talking to a man. And then he said, Oh, where are so fools? I said, Oh, no, Charlie. In this case, how? See. And that we're talking about dogs. We had sent a dog to Ben Cross. He's a politician, actually. He wants to be MP. So, he says, he says, oh no, dogs, yeah, they sort of say no. Even the Bible said, the priests, they ate of the offering and they were even giving land to rear the animals there. Like, if they bring a lot, keep some there, right? You see. So he was saying, no, 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 no. In being in the ministry, you should actually partake of that which is in the ministry. You get it? But that's true, right? Okay. So in the conversation, I told him that I'm an architect. And that I stopped practicing as an architect because I didn't have the time. And because it required a certain mentality. It's not just the time. You get it? For instance, some of you maybe you say, oh, Pastor, I tried to reach. I say, oh, Charlie. By a tight. But then the tightness is not that maybe you're dead. You pick this one, you're juggling. The tightness is a mental tightness. The frame of mind, FSA, it means through easily and they have a certain conversation. You get it? So we have to pull that frame of mind from there to come to that state before such dealings can happen. You understand that? I mean, you've not called your mother. You understand? The weather calls you say you are tired, but when you check, you are not tired, right? But the tightness is because depending on your mother, it requires a certain energy to talk to her, right? 
then that energy you have to gather it. Then you have not gathered it. So you are tight. Do you get it? <laughs> so I say like, it requires a certain focus and effort to stay relevant as an architect. And I can't give that. Do you get it? If I'm going to be a pastor, I can't give that. But when I wake up, I'm not ready to check the new development that has come and to go for building fair. Do you see? They say, oh no, as a minister, dear, what you need is just one hour every day. Check. You see double standards. When I was telling him that, oh, is the dog that we do, Charlie, to manage ourselves? He was saying, oh, yes. You don't even need to do the dog. The ministry itself should take care of you, right? But when he discovered that, Charlie, I'm an architect, there's glory in it, right? So that one, his message changed. Do you get it? Maybe he didn't know that I'm anything. Like some of you think you are something, right? So if God should come in, he may interfere with your something, right? Well, what are you? What are you? Me, I'm an architect that I've stopped being an architect for some years. It's been a while, since 2015, right? Yeah. You see, some of you are doctors, you are an architect, right? So if you are chatted with accountants, you are what? You are also trying to be chatted accountant, civil engineer, right? You, you are what? Development planning and economist. You are lecturer, mathematics department, KNS, you are what? Dream brand, the businessman. <laughs> you are lawyer, right? Lawyer Mike. Lecturer, architect, laboratory, something like, Inkitect, inkitect. <laughs> Look, I'm keeping you here, right? You are listening to me, right? Good. Incoming doctor, incoming. Start out what are you? Planning officer. Hey. I don't know, but I'm sure big, big people, right? Tells you to are not really that big. Right? But you see, you are here, right? Dr. Benedict, you are here, right? Because I carry a spirit, right? That spirit, I gave up something to get it. So you think that I gave up glory, right? Right. But have I really given up glory? Yeah, because maybe I've been the trenches, PP, Ontia. Proposal, also Scandeba, Scandeba, no Biat, Nado, now was in fact a thirty per cent of Branzana, watch it, church, Nana. So, in a way, you think that, oh, no. Please, I'm not saying that all of you that's how it will be. This is my specific calling, right? Actually, almost all of you could be what you are doing, right? But to me, what have I lost? What have I lost? When my mother heard that I had stopped being an architect, she nearly died. Like she called me and told my father they should call me. Hey! I said, no, I've stopped. And then my conversations don't take long. Some of your family people are on you now. Your capacity is small. That's why they keep battling you. They've not given up. Something hasn't shown from your heart into their eyes now. 
Listen. <laughs> That's why they will come again. Some of us, we have settled that argument many years ago. The best you can do is that you don't like what we are doing, but that's where it ends. That's where it ends. It was a short conversation. You know, I was in the Methodist church, right? That's why I mean the hints, I can't do away with them. When my mother heard that I've left the Methodist, she said, You think that you are the only ones that your parents asked, Why have you left the uh, Church of uh, Jesus and the Bible Incorporated? <laughs> you think that you are the only one? Which my mother asked me. So I asked her that you too. Okay, so the Methodist church that you are in, what spiritual progress have you made all these years to use to convince me that I should stay? You see? Now, you may not understand the question. You may think that the question is to say that you can't make any progress in the Methodist church. No, that one is up to those who are there. That's it. The point is, if you would tell me to stay, you get it? There should be a spiritual reason why I'm saying, and I knew that it was more about her own self-respect amongst her peers than major church. Uh-huh. So then I wanted to let her see that she did not have a spiritual reason why I must stay. So I asked her, and that conversation ended. This was, I gave the final word on that conversation, that what have you gained spiritually? Do you know where that word came from? It came from inside here. It came where, that's what I said, something must come out of you. It, it ends everything. But some of you, you fear, right? I hear some of you are threatened with disowning, you'll be disowned. <laughs> Your light is small. Good God, develop some capacity. You fear. Even the wisdom in what you are picking up from there is not showing. So they have every right to question you that what is it? Ah, that is. So you give yourself to the word of God. Overcome what you need to overcome. See, thy profiting shall appear unto all. Thy profiting shall appear unto all. Thy profiting shall appear unto all. So I don't remember that the, my father called me and explained to me, he said, okay, finished. Why I've stopped being an architect. It ended there. The rest was behind my back. But if you can't handle behind your back, why? Why can't you handle it? It's not, the problem is with you. If you allow the word of God to deal with you, you can handle it. Because if it's behind my back, am I not fine? Because it's behind my back. Do you get it? So you can keep talking. If I will enter there and keep quiet, then we know who you are afraid of, right? Listen. And it was almost like I had just thrown my life down. But brick by brick, eh? stone upon stone, you get it. You build it. In this church, there are many who are richer than me, right? What I have, you don't have it. You see? <laughs> and that's the thing. See what Peter and John said to the man at the beautiful gate. Say, silver and gold, eh? we don't have if you were the man at the beautiful gate. Five coins, right? As against walking. He said, Choose one. So give me the coins and let me still be here. No! But see, as they didn't have silver and gold, it was like, Ah, what is your use, right? Not knowing that they had something. So what I have, I give unto you. That is what the world needs. Let me tell you. 
The world does not need another rich man. The world does not need another rich woman. The world does not need another business tycoon. What we don't have, we can certify. We all know that what we don't have in this world is men and women who are filled with the Spirit of God, who have some say in the Spirit, who have some capacity in the Spirit, whose hearts are to love the Lord and the neighbor purely. We don't have some. You see? Oh, some places, if you get there, then you can. When God walked there, He showed us how a normal human being must be. He did not build roads, He did not uh, build schools. Not to say that these are not important. If God shows that He do the most important thing, right? So we also should first choose the most important thing then all the other things we learned it in the course of the week all the other things now come fall in place some of you what you cannot give yourself to investment it is not because you must stop working it is because your heart is after money but you could work and your heart is not after money you see so if you all your precious at work it is because you want your boss to like you you are a sycophant at your workplace and it is because that's how you've been built. Somebody must like you in order for you to feel that you are relevant. So when you come home, you are carrying pressure of what happened at work. And when you go back to work, you fear what might happen. There's no space in your thinking to follow God and to search after God, to seek, hey, you can't, right? You can't. Your problem is not that there's no time. There's too much time. Everything I love is killing me. Cigarettes, Jack Daniels, and caffeine. The things you love that you cannot be something, they are the ones that are killing you. What do you think? But it's time to get out. Look, let's stop here. It's time to get out. Now, we, don't, we can't say tomorrow we'll get out, right? Because we know what is tied to our getting out impact the kingdom of God, what God seeks to do in the lives of men. Love for the human race, that is what is like. So a delay in your rising up means that God's impact cannot be felt somewhere. You see? So we can't get up tomorrow. We can't say, let's wait. God will stir us up again. No. It's time to make that vow. Hallelujah. I don't do that. Media, what can I do? You can do something. Wait till you are filled with the Spirit of God. When you are not filled with the Spirit of God, what can we even do? That's why you must labor to be filled with the Spirit of God in order to stand ready to be useful. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, you see what can be done. You see, when I'm coming for service, I don't even know what God will do. Right? As I prepare like special program, when I'm filled with the Spirit, I will know. I will know. When I'm not feeling, how will I know? I will know. What can we do? We can't do anything so far as you are not filled with the Spirit of God. What can we do? Anything that you can think of to do for God is beyond you. When you are not filled with the Spirit of God. But you can find that you can rise up as a mighty man in the territory that God gives to you. You can rise up as a mighty man. Don't consult us about anything. The important things. The things that no man can know 
other things every man can try and it's okay. But the hidden things, the spiritual things, when they need men to speak to the souls of men, when they need men to lead other men out of the dungeons that they are in, instead of your boss is in the dungeon, right? Your boss is there. But your boss's marriage is about to be destroyed. Maybe because the whole foundation of marriage will leave. Because you are busy seeking the affection of your boss, not knowing that this person is in bondage. So, but hey, he's a big man. How can I? No, be sure you just wait and see. It will be as though they presented that thing onto your table. It's a, it will be as though your boss will, will call you and start telling you things. It, it, be filled with the spirit and see. Build some capacity in the spirit and see. Hallelujah. So you must decide. Something great must come out of our lives. Hallelujah. 